We have reached the end of the year. This is a special episode of Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Today is December the 31st, 2022, and we are, well, Ron and I are two days away from our 45th wedding anniversary. So I want to give you all a happy new year wish, and I pray that all goes well with you and yours and that you're safe, that you're happy. And I hope that today's show to just share a little bit of our journey of what we're hoping to accomplish for the next phase of our life. I hope that it will help foster your own dreams and your own ambitions. And I wish you well, happy new year from all of us here. Well, me and Rhonda inside the yellow studio, two women, one dream and plan M it's a new episode of leaning toward wisdom, the podcast. I've already introduced you to one woman, Re Marie, Re for short, R-E, my maternal grandmother. The second woman I haven't talked about yet, her name was Nelda. She was my mother-in-law. She passed away from breast cancer when she was only 42. Rhonda and I were in our first year of marriage, so my exposure to Nelda was limited to those few years that Rhonda and I dated. And then, of course, that single year of our married life. Rhonda was Nelda's firstborn. Five more would follow. And at the time of her death, there were still children at home. My perspective of this woman, uh, while limited, it now consists of being the husband to her daughter. And I suspect that Rhonda has qualities just like her mom. I mean, for starters, her mother always seemed strong and resilient and her daughter my wife, well, she is both of those things. Nelda's spiritual fortitude heavily influenced the family. When Rhonda was a little girl, Nelda went looking for a spiritual environment in which to raise her kids, and she found the truth that you can find only in the scripture. Had she not done that, I would have never met this woman that I have been married to for almost 45 years because we met at church. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. As always, the website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. When I began dreaming about Ree's retreat, I told you a little bit about that in a prior episode. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for today's episode. I told Rhonda about it, but I also told her that I had her mother in mind and that my ideal, my very ideal outcome would be to create another space named after her mother. And of course, doing Ree's retreat sticking with the R theme. Well, with Nelda, you got to stick with the N theme. And the first thing that came to my mind was Nelda's nest. So we would daydream about this. We would make notes. We would share ideas. We're still doing that house ideas, 
design ideas, decorating ideas. The idea for some short-term rental spaces did not start with the two women who were important in our lives, but they quickly entered the picture, at least for me. And so I held on to the notion that I only wanted to create awesome, comfortable spaces for couples, because that's what I knew. That's who Rhonda and I are. We have experienced a variety of spaces. And so we had firsthand knowledge of what we liked, what we disliked, what we wish we could find. And, you know, a lot of details because, well, it's who we are. We are a couple. And while we're not qualified to speak for everybody, and certainly our preferences may not be everybody's preferences, we really felt like we knew what would generally and largely work. Namely, what would likely work better. The memories and influences of two important women put pressure on us to get this right. I define wisdom very simply. Those of you that have been longtime listeners, you know this. Getting it right in real time. That is our daily prayer. That is our daily pursuit. That we will make wise decisions. That is, we will get it right in real time. We've always felt the appropriate pressure to get decisions right, just like you have, but it's more intense now. Well, because we're older. I kind of liken it to either taking off in a plane or landing a plane. The metaphor for achieving our next goals is like landing a plane. At our age, the runway is shorter, so we really have to hit our mark. You know, there's just not nearly as much room for error as when you're younger. That advice that we always gave to the kids, don't make a mistake from which you can't recover. Well, that just reverberates with us now that we're older because it's the same when you're a kid. It's the same when you're old. Quite frankly, it's the same every point in between too. We don't want to make mistakes that we can't recover from. But you know, when you're young, you might have time to recover if you get something a little bit wrong, especially financially. But man, now that we're older, we may not have time to recover. So it's urgent. It's very important that we get it right in real time. Now the dream, the dream began a few years ago and it began a few years ago as we were contemplating turning 65. Now this was not because of retirement because we're not planning to retire. If you define retirement as putting your feet up and doing nothing, if you define retirement as not working, not earning income. But for us, we were contemplating it as we were a few years away from turning 65, because that's when you have to register for Medicare health insurance coverage, at least without any penalty. You know, you apply for it outside your initial enrollment period, and you're going to pay more. So this is an important mile marker that those of us that are 65 and older, we, we understand this. If you haven't yet reached it, then congratulations, I suppose, but it's coming. And it was a mile marker for us a couple of years ago. It was obviously fast approaching. It has since come and gone. And that was just one. That was just one of the many mile markers. Cognitive decline is a fact of life. I'm, I, I, I'm not bringing that up because I necessarily suffer it, but I was reading this article published online on the national library of medicine website. 
Oh, you don't read the National Library of Medicine? Yeah, well, neither do I. But I was Googling, you know, and it took me there. And I read this article entitled, When Does Age-Related Cognitive Decline Begin? I'll link it up in the show notes. Now, I am not a physician, so I'm going to tell you straight up, I was not able to understand an awful lot of this article, but it did confirm some things that I already knew to be true just from my own observations. Now, I'm 15 years old past the age of 50 and I still feel like I'm mostly in good shape cognitively and physically. Now, then again, I could be completely nuts, you know, and how would I know? (laughs) I just had my annual physical the other day. Everything came back great blood work and everything was great. Hey, I'm down 16 pounds from a year ago. I am, I'm within 15 pounds of my like in my head, my ideal weight. Now, whether that's my ideal weight or not, I don't know. It's, it may be a, a, a mental thing. I don't know. So I have seen older men though, in my life display cognitive decline. And it's mostly to me as a close friend, it's noticeable. It's noticeable about the age of 80. Now, to be fair, I haven't lived with these people. I'm, I'm close to them and I've interacted with them a lot, but I'm not living with them, so my judgment isn't based on being around these guys 24-7. Stats don't address how individual these kinds of things are. You know, it's kind of painting with a broad brush because we're all different. You know, I could be completely out of my mind before the end of the year. I, I, I hope that's not the case, but, you know, there aren't any guarantees. I am playing the odds. I'm praying. I'm dreaming. And dreaming is preceded by planning always, but as people, we grow old circumstances change because of our age health. That's probably number one for folks. Finances are probably number two. Uh, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to put relationships next, but this can all change and not all of the change is bad. You know, some years ago I felt compelled to prepare knowing that my preparation wouldn't be able to consider every outcome. I mean, you just can't possibly foresee every conceivable scenario that could, that could happen. And believe me, I try because that's kind of how I'm wired, but still preparing beats avoiding preparing. And there are so many people as they grow older, there are things that they just, they just don't want to deal with. They just don't want to confront it. They just don't want to think about it. I've talked about it before. You know, it's, it's that whole be a Buffalo thing, avoid hiding, just run into the storm, get through it quicker. Don't hide from it, but boy, do a lot of people hide from it. Okay. So what is all this cognitive stuff and getting closer to hitting 65 and now hitting 65 and, and these memories of these two women what does all this have to do with the dream? What does all this have to do with the ideal outcome? Well, everything it has everything to do with it because they represent our dream, which is driving our planning, our preparation. Now the Genesis of our dream was our short-term rental experiences. You know, some of the places that we have stayed, including some of our favorite places, they had names that were given to them by their owners. 
Now, mostly these were names that were meant to foster serenity or some other kind of pleasant feeling. In some cases they were Spanish names because the community that we are super fond of has a lot of street names after Spanish conquistadors. And so some of them were in that theme, but from a marketing perspective as a business guy, it all made sense to me, you know, cause it is good marketing four or five years ago. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of one day preparing to operate a short-term rental property of my own. Uh, it, it had not crossed my mind, but as soon as I began to book places a little more frequently, I started studying this place. Now, mostly initially it was not, Hey, you know, I'm, I'd, I'd like to do this. Initially it was just, I, I can get really fascinated with business models. And it was an interesting business model to me. Now at the time it was a little different game than it is now, because now today you've got an awful lot of folks who, who are really leveraging a lot of numbers and they're operating properties all over the country. And, uh, it's a different game than when I first began to study it. Now I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that. I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm just saying it, it just is different. But it's also a business model that has, man, thousands of varieties, I suppose. There's all different operators and all different kinds of operating, even though you could lump it all under this umbrella of short-term rental, you know, charging by the night. So I began to look at all this and curiosity drove me to question the places where we were staying. So we would stay and the host, they would meet us and I would inquire about their experiences. You know, how long you been doing this? What, what provoked you to, to do this? And in some cases it was, it was going to be a, a separate bedroom suite. It might be in their basement. It might be, you know, and it would be a self, a self-contained kind of space on their property. And I would just ask them, so what, what was this before? Well, you know, this was just a, a storage space or, you know, this was a workout room and we never used it, or this was a garage. Uh, and I would inquire what, you know, what provoked you to start this? And so I began to make notes and I was just working to figure this out. And some of the stories had similarities and there were vast differences in many of them as well. Well, true to my customer service fanaticism, I was taking mental and physical notes about our experiences and I was noting details that I thought could be improved. Now the places that we stayed in and that we do stay in, these have not been built from the ground up. We have not, at least in this place where I'm, I'm thinking about and the place that we love and the place that we hope to do this is, is not a place where we had ever stayed in a place that it was built from the ground up. These were existing spaces that had been adapted. Like I said, they could be a garage. They could have been a workout room. They could have, they could have been something else in a prior life. And you can imagine some were, some were better than others. And that's understandable. Um, a few details might be dictated, you know, by the space, by the location, you know, for example, they're in some more remote places, the, the facilities, the, the place, perfectly great. Everything could be terrific, but 
the internet's not so good. Okay, but you're in the middle of nowhere, so kind of understandable. Others, you could tell they just did the best they could with a space that was very limited to them. And maybe the space was a little bit cramped because of that. Well, from the get-go, Ron and I knew that we wanted, if we were going to do this, we wanted to create a great experience for married couples, couples like us. Because I kept saying, you know, we, we are our customer. I'm a big believer when it comes to business modeling that you, you think about your ideal customer. Now you'll often hear business people talk about an avatar. They'll talk about create an avatar and that avatar is your ideal customer. And so that's what we were thinking. We were thinking, okay, who is our ideal customer? And continually we kept coming back. Well, it's us. Now it doesn't mean that they're as old as we are, but it's us couples like us. But there's a star. There's a star of the show here. I'm as usual, I'm bearing the lead that it plays a really prominent role in all of this. And it's a really critical thing when it comes to trying to engage in short-term rental business. And that is the place, the place, a specific place. And for us, it was a place that quite frankly, is largely dominated by older, more mature people. It is a serene place. It is an attractive place to those of us that are yearning for peace and tranquility in this slower, quieter pace. And since we were and are the demographic of the folks that we dreamed about serving, well, that became easier for us to dream with some specificity because we got really detailed in our dreams. Do you do this? I'm a huge proponent of this, by the way, dreaming in detail. I don't mean the dreams at night that you don't have any control over. I mean, the dreams you do control to really be specific, to really dream with as much specificity as you can. And Oh, by the way, yeah, I'm a big believer in dreaming big. Now, when people think, well, dreaming big, okay, well, then that means you, you want to have a whole bunch of these. And you, no, 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 no. That's for me, that's not dreaming big for me. Having a couple of these named after these two important women marketed using these two women that played a pivotal role in our lives. That's dreaming big. So in our heads, we created the bedroom suite. We created the rest of the space in our heads. We're still doing that. And we started sketching things out on paper. We started listing the things that we love, where we have stayed and where we are staying. We started listing the things that we wish they would have done this better. And this wasn't, uh, this wasn't a case study of being critical. This wasn't a case study and okay, well, let's just render as much harsh judgment about our host. We have, we've never had at least in this community that we're talking about, we've never had a bad experience ever. We have had nothing but ridiculously friendly and welcoming people and accommodations that were perfectly, perfectly not just acceptable, but better than acceptable. Admittedly, in some cases on the smaller side, but in every case, 100% of the time, we knew exactly, exactly what we were getting. We were never, oh, well, this isn't at all what we expected. 
because we were dealing 100% of the time with completely honest people who were operating with integrity and yeah, you know, we quickly realized that some of the things that we might be annoyed by some of our gripes really didn't cost very much, you know, just kind of required a more thoughtful approach. And over time it became somewhat apparent to us that some of our hosts might have never spent a night in their suite. And if they did, they probably weren't noticing the things that were standing out for us. And so we began to assess whether any of these things, okay, are these, are these detrimental? For example, as inexpensive today as large televisions are, why have a 32 inch TV when you could have opted for a 55 inch TV or larger? And so I began to ask the question, okay, is there any downside? Is there any downside to providing guests with a larger TV? Well, I couldn't think of any. I mean, the worst case scenario is they never turn it on. You'll commonly hear, especially younger folks who frequently use Airbnb or VRBO, you know, they, we don't turn the TV on. They, everything, they watch everything from their phone. They watch everything from a tablet or a computer. Okay. Well, we're not of that demographic. Oh, I watch plenty of stuff on the phone, but if I've got an option to watch a 55 or 65 inch TV, I got news for you. I am not going to be staring at a four inch phone. (laughs) So the worst case scenario we figured is okay. You have it and they don't use it. Okay. So what? I mean, take another example. Instead of the smallest microwave possible, you know, one where you can just barely get a full plate inside of it. Why not opt for a bigger, nicer one? I mean, microwave ovens are not expensive. Televisions are not expensive. So again, we're not talking about a ton of money involved here in these choices. Seating. How about seating? How about where are you going to sit in this place? You know, one of our favorite places, it has a nice small den area, which by the way, does have a big TV. It's got the biggest TV of any place that we stay, but some of the seating that they have in place. I can sit down and I mean, within a few minutes and I don't have back trouble, but within a few minutes, I have a backache because you sit on this thing in the back of the sofa, it forces your shoulders forward and it just puts a tremendous pressure on your, you know, your lumbar, your lower back. And I remember when we very first went and stayed, I'm looking and I just moved the sofa. So it's kind of a sofa love seat. So I'm sitting over on it. And then to my right, Rhonda is in this recliner. Well, further down from the little sofa where I'm at is a recliner, just like the one Rhonda's sitting in. She's like, well, this is really comfortable. And I'm like, well, I'm going to switch these two. So that's what I did. I pulled this, I pulled the recliner out, shoved the sofa down, put the recliner in the place where the sofa was. So now it's recliner. There's a little table with a lamp on it. And then there's Rhonda sitting in her recliner, much more comfortable. And so of course, as we check out, I'm moving everything back the way it was. I'm not, I'm not going to rearrange furniture for a host. So I move everything back to way, the way it was. And every time that we go and we check in this place, the first thing I do is I'm, I move that furniture <laughs> noise. 
Well, noise is important. Well, quiet is important. I started saying noise is important, but that's wrong. It's the quiet that's important. During the night, you can hear things. And you can hear things that you may not pay attention to during waking hours. You know, because there's no TV sound. There's no conversation. There's just silence. Well, except for that refrigerator over there that's humming like a drone that's flying overhead. Or then how about that wall clock that's, you know, got that mechanical ticking. And again, you know, these are things that seemed obvious to us that if the host had spent a night here, and I'm not saying that they didn't, but I I remember joking one time telling Rhonda, I mean, if they did, they had to wear earplugs, didn't they? Now me, I use an app on my phone. I use a white noise app on my iPhone and I, I run it through a Bluetooth speaker and it runs all night long. Well, okay. To be fair, I'm not using the white noise. I'm using brown noise. You ever use brown noise? Let's see if I can find it here. I'll give you a sample of what brown noise sounds like. Don't tell me you've never heard brown noise. Here you go. This is brown noise. Okay. Now here's, here's white noise. You'll, you'll instantly, you'll hear the difference. See the brown noise is It's just a lower pitch. It's just, it's friendlier to my ears. So that's what I use. So that helps. That kind of helps with the noise, the noise factor. I got to have noise at night. Do you have to have noise at night? It's like a fan. I got to have a fan and I got to have noise. That's just, it's just, it's mandatory. Even if there's not noise in the room that I'm trying to drown out. Now at night, there's another thing. When you turn the lights off, do lights around the room. Does that matter to you? Especially those little LDD lights. You're going to laugh. I'm the guy who carries a roll of black electrical tape. In fact, the last time we stayed somewhere, we got out of there, we checked out and I I texted the host. I said, man, I apologize. I said, you know, we cleaned up, we left the place great. But I said, you're going to find little pieces of black electrical tape all over the place. And she texted me back. Yeah. You know, my husband immediately knew what they were. (laughs) Because there's just these little lights and they just stay illuminated all the time. You know, these little power strips and they have an on light and the AC unit has got multiple lights and USB ports and they've got lights and a router or some, you know, connectivity hub and it's got lights, microwave and it's got a clock, you know, uh, an air filter, a, a wall switch that operates the ceiling fan, that TV. I don't get this and I've got one. I have, I have a TV that, a TV that has a red led that turns on when the TV is off. What a brilliant design this is. (laughs) So turn out all the lights, get the room very dark. And now look around, look around at all the little lights in the room. And when you're a super light sleeper, like I am a person that battles insomnia. I mean, this is not a recipe for a restful night because that, that it's like a North star. I mean, the minute you spot it, you're just, it's like, it's just like, it might as well just have a, it be a beacon that's shouting my name all night long. Now, night lights in the bathroom, that's helpful because, well, you're in this place that you're not accustomed to. So when you get up in the middle of the night, you know, muscle memory kicks in. 
And without a nightlight, you might find yourself nose first into a wall because, well, you, you forgot you weren't home. Does that ever happen to you? First time it ever happened to me, I was on the road. I was working for a big electronics company, a big Japanese company, and I happened to be in Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> the Little Apple, if you've not been to Manhattan, Kansas, a perfectly lovely little community, but it's in the middle of nowhere. So I arrive, you know, sometime middle of the afternoon. I go trooping around the campus. It is it's where Kansas State University is. Kind of go trooping around the campus and whatnot. Now, this is back before cell phones. This is back before the internet. Yeah, I was young. And I get to I go to my hotel and I'm I'm in for the night and relaxing. Turn off the lights, try to go to sleep. And in the middle of the night, I get up to go to the restroom and I walk smack dab into a wall because I forgot where I was. I forgot I was on the road. Now, back then in the little nightstand drawer were phone books. So I'm, I'm addled. I have no idea where I'm at. So I open the drawer and I'm looking for the phone book. Well, there's the phone book, Manhattan, Kansas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Came back to me. So bathroom nightlights are a good thing. Now here's the thing. None of these things take a lot of money. Okay. I mean, a bigger TV couple of hundred bucks, bigger microwave. I don't know. Throw an extra 50 bucks at it. Maybe. I mean, the rest of it, the rest of it is just thoughtfulness and figuring out a way to better manage the space. And now that we've got a few years worth of these kinds of notes, and we're still in our dreaming and our planning phase, and the notes are obviously getting to be more exhaustive and that's helping us figure this out. That's helping give us some clarity. The overall dream, the overall dream is fueled because of this age thing. It is fueled because we're growing older. Now I've thought a lot about this. If I were a younger person, I'm not saying that my dream would be dramatically different, but it might be somewhat different. Because quite frankly, I'm real envious of people that are dreaming these dreams and they're 30 years younger than me. I really am envious. These were not opportunities that existed for me as a younger person. I, I wish they had, but they didn't. And that's fine. I'm not pining about it or anything, but I'm sitting here thinking somebody in that age bracket, if this is what if, if this appeals to them at all and they're not pursuing it, they're crazy. I mean, they're just crazy. You know, that whole cognitive decline possibility and whatever else might befall us. Of course, this all came up for us because, well, this is us. We're older, but every day I pray and every day I concern myself, at least to some degree because of my age with self-sufficiency with not being burdensome to anybody. For me, firstly, it's about not being a burden to Rhonda. Secondly, to anybody else in the family. Thirdly, to, well, just anybody else. And so a big, big part of this dream is to generate some income by way of short-term rental so that we can cash flow, hopefully, the rest of our lives and in the process memorialize these two women that we loved and provide a memorable experience for people 
just like the very best experiences that have been afforded by many of our hosts. And I would add, it's also important so that we can have some spaces that we can provide to friends and family when these spaces aren't generating some income, you know, sharing matters. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me about these plans and these goals and they were inquiring about occupancy rates and whatnot. And I said, you know, I'm really not interested in a super high occupancy rate. I'm, I'm rather, I'm going to be rather intentional, Lord willing that I, we can pull this off. I'm going to be rather intentional to have a good occupancy rate that generates some income that's suitable for us, but I'm not greedy. I'm wanting to have some vacant times. I'm wanting to be able to call some people that I know could use a respite and say, Hey, I, I got some dates here and I got some dates here. Why don't you guys huddle? Call me back in a day or two, pick some of those dates and just come when you want to. And here's how long you can stay. You can stay the whole time. You can just stay a shorter period of time, you know, get yourself here, get yourself home, but don't worry about, don't worry about a place to stay and it's lovely and it's gorgeous and you'll have a grand time. That's important to us. The ability to make those kind of phone calls that, yeah, that jazzes me. So I am not interested in, oh, well, our occupancy rate is, you know, 90%. I mean, we barely, we, we hardly ever have any openings. I don't want that. I just don't want that. I mean, I got news for you. 30 to 50% of the time I'd be happy as a clam because that means half the time I could be, we could be hosting people that just kind of need a respite people that just need just some place to get away, collect their thoughts, whatever, not like a house guest where the house guest feels like they got to entertain you and you feel like you got to be entertained. No, no, no. I'm talking about somebody that here's the key code. You come and you go as you please. I don't even have to know you're here. Yeah, that's, that's a really, that's a really, really cool thought for us for the last, I would say four years or so. We have been living with this dream. We've been studying this, researching this, learning, doing our best to try to figure this out so that we can minimize that learning on the job. Now, everybody's got to do that. We know that we're going to have to do that too. But we don't want to learn everything on the job. So about a year ago, we migrated, I would say, from the dreaming phase to the planning phase. Now, it incorporates the, the dreaming phase. If you're in the planning phase, you're still always in the dreaming phase. But I think you can be in a dreaming phase and not be in the planning phase. Does that make sense? Because now we were not just thinking of what we wanted to do, but now we were beginning to think with some specific details. Okay. How, how are we going to do this? How are we going to accomplish these dreams? What is it going to take for us to do this? And of course, along the way there has been, and there still is plenty of, well, what about this? And what about that? And do we want this? Are we sure we want that? You know, just a lot of questioning. Because it's not always so cut and dried. And so we've constantly given ourselves time and we're still giving ourselves time to wrestle with this a little bit and to see if we can pin it down with greater clarity. 
So we are still working on this and we're just taking it one step at a time. In fact, right now, as I hit the record button, we are working to put ourselves in a position to assemble the resources that might be necessary for what I call the encore chapter, the next chapter of our lives. I can't be real sure which iteration we're on, but I can tell you straight up, it's not plan a, (laughs) I've referenced it before. It's one of the books that I did not keep because I'd read it and reread it and reread it. But if you haven't read it, maybe you should. It it is a business model book. So you're going to understand why I was attracted to it. A couple of brainiacs named John Mullins and Randy Komisar, they wrote this book. It was back in 2009. And the title of the book is getting to plan B breaking through to a better business model. And the context of course is absolutely business. But if you could read that book with application to your life, I think it you'd get benefit because we have all kinds of plans in our lives. We have all kinds of models in our life. You know, there's some people that argue, well, you know, the, the best philosophy is burn the boats. Now that burn the boats is a metaphor for going forward with your plan and you just destroy any opportunity that you've got to go back. You don't want to give yourself any chance to retreat. Well, you could do that. I'm so wired that I think that's a ridiculously stupid (laughs) philosophy Uh, because as the authors point out in this book, traction and momentum, they often don't happen until you get much further down the line because you have altered the plan and you've altered the plan some more and you've altered the plan some more. So here's the way my brain thinks about it. Here you are, you have your plan a, it all seems perfectly fine and lovely and wonderful. Now take a step, your first step question. Do you know more now than you did a step ago? Well, I would hope so. Probably. Are you going to learn or are you going to ignore what you learned? Are you going to take this one step forward full well knowing, Hey, the perspective looks a little different now that I'm about three feet from where I was before, but you know, I'm just going to ignore all that. I'm not going to pay attention to any of that. I'm just going to keep on because I'm burning the boats. I, I think when I think about this, I think about those freestyle rock climbers, you know, those crazy, crazy people that they, they climb and they don't have anything other than their hands and a bag of chalk, no rope, no safety harness. My hands are sweating right now. Just talking about it. And these people, they make one move on the face of the mountain. Their very next move is going to be based on what they now know. Yes, of course. I've watched plenty of documentaries about these fellows and some gals. They have mapped out a course. They have a plan. But plans change because there's new information with every, with every handhold, with every foot plant, they are getting new information and they're changing based on that information. If they don't, they're idiots and idiots don't live very long doing what they're doing. I feel the same way about my, my own life. If I make a step forward 
and I learn new information and I ignore that information and I refuse to learn from it. I, I, that, that just seems colossally stupid to me. I'm already battling foolishness. That's why we've got leaning toward wisdom. I don't want to be battling my own idiocy. (laughs) So we've taken some steps. We've taken some steps toward our dream, but all of those steps are focused on just really one thing at this point, and that is readying ourselves for the actual execution of our plans, our plans to build on the same property involved in the same structure where we will live two short-term rental bedroom suites. That's the dream. That's the plan. That's the ideal outcome. And so Ron and I continue to map out some very specific ideas, getting these committed to paper. Are they realistic? We think so, but we're not a hundred percent sure. What we are a hundred percent sure about is that our current plans are going to change. There's no doubt about that. And they're going to change likely more than once because, well, to be fair, that's part of the fun. It's just part of the fun. I call it plan M because there are 26 letters in the alphabet and M is smack dab in the middle. Now, I don't know. We might hit it on plan D. We might hit it on plan Y. Lord willing, we'll execute some plan. And the plan that we execute, it could be very different. It could be vastly different than what we have in mind right now. But we just have to keep moving forward because that's the only way we're going to find out. Right now, the plan is going according to plan. We are architecting the next stage of the process. And as you well know, if you've been paying attention, it began with ridding ourselves of unnecessary things. It began with the great purge and then it moved. Well, it's now moved to assembling the resources that we need to fund the goal. That's, that's currently where we are. That's where we are right now. We are counting the costs. We are marshalling our resources. That's exactly where you find us as I hit the record button today. And from there, okay, we're going to develop a more clear idea of what we're going to need to do next. So my hope today is that sharing our journey, I hope that it is helpful as you create your own. Two women, one dream, plan M. Quite frankly, I'd be tickled if we got there by plan M. But you know what? Sometimes there have been times, and you've likely had these too. I'm willing to fall on my knees and give thanks because we got it done, and we got it done at plan Z. If we didn't get it done at plan Z, you know what's going to happen then. I'm going to go back to plan double A because that's how I roll. You don't want to give up on a dream. Not unless you 
come to understand with your wisdom that it's in your best interest to give up on one plan and pick a new one. Sometimes that happens too. Are there people in your life that serve as inspiration? Like the two women that I've talked about today. Do you have one dream? You have more than one dream. For me and Rhonda, I would be, I can absolutely encapsulate everything that we're dreaming, everything that we're planning and tell you that it, it, it is all encompassed really in one dream, one dream to architect the next chapter of our life, a chapter that we hope we'll be able to begin, but it's already begun in our head. It's already a reality for us. Now we just got to put in the work. My name is Randy Cantrell. The website is leaning toward wisdom. Modern tales of an ancient pursuit. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Welcome.